So there's been another shooting. There's been yet another mass shooting in America, and this one is unbelievable. It's just shocking. Um, they're all shocking, but this one takes it to another level. It's, I don't know what to say about it. Some of you have been asking me to comment on this. I have clients today who are talking about it. I had supervisees who were talking with me about it. And I don't know what to say. I considered not doing an episode about it because I don't know what to say. But it seems like it would be not right for me not to have an episode about it. And I feel like after talking with many people today in person about it, I felt like maybe I could say some things that might help. I don't know. Uh, as a person who has been in the media, whenever things like this happen, or in the past anyway, I, I would get called to appear on the radio or on TV or to comment for an article or something regarding what to do about stuff like this and maybe why it happened and how to talk with your kids about this sort of thing and how to cope with this sort of thing. And so even though as a therapist and a professor who has, who, who works with people that have nothing to do with events like this, as a media person, I have over the last 10 years become kind of a mini expert about this sort of thing. I've had to research the topic a lot. I've had to think about it a lot, talk about it with other people a lot. And so, I don't know, I thought I would just say some things today. And the things that I'm here to say about this most recent shooting in Las Vegas, I'm not here as a therapist. I'm not here as a professor. I'm just here as a fellow American, just like just like you, or a fellow human being just like you, S someone who is just as afraid about this, just as destabilized, just as disheartened, just, just as affected, just as demoralized by this as anybody else. I, I'm not a special human being who is, a, you know, not a human being. Uh, I'm just like you. Uh, I have the same feelings. And so, uh, you know, I just want to say that. I keep looking online for updates. I, I keep watching these Twitter videos of people who were shooting video as the shooting was occurring. I keep looking up different Reddit uh, conversations to try to find some perspective. You know, I'm just as lost as anybody else. And I'm, and like I said, I'm just as, I'm just as scared. Yeah. I'm a, I'm someone who likes to go to concerts. I'm, I'm someone who likes to go to train stations. I'm someone who likes to go to the movies. I like to do things. I like to go where 
there's entertainment and, and a lot of times those are where the crowds are and it's scary. So, you know, there's nothing, something special about me in, in this instance. You know, I don't have any, I don't have any special power or knowledge or something about this, but I thought I would ramble a little bit. Um, people, um, are talking about this in a lot of different ways that I'm seeing online. And when I actually talk to people in person, they'll say things like it, it must be a mental illness, right? That some, this guy must've been psychotic or something must've been wrong with his brain. Or they'll say, Oh, it's, you know, it's a terrorist attack. This is just another terrorist attack. Or, People are saying, oh, great, now they're going to blame autistic people again. Here, here comes the autistic hatred once again. Or people saying that it's Trump's fault. Or um, we need to get rid of the guns. Or, or that one woman with CBS, I think it was, who tweeted or said something that basically said that those gun loving country music fans deserve what they got or something like that. And then you got people, you know, it instantly uh, strikes several nerves in our country. Lots of different things get talked about. Lots of old wounds, lots of old conflicts. And I just don't, I just don't see it that way. Um, we, you know, we can talk about gun control in a second, but but to me, it, it's not it's not a mental illness issue. This this one doesn't seem like a mental illness. It, it might come out that it is, but it it doesn't it doesn't seem like it is. There's no evidence that it's a mental illness issue, and if it is a mental illness, if he did quote unquote have a mental illness, and by mental illness we have to figure out what we mean by that. Do we mean that he was psychotic or um, massively depressed or something. I don't know. But, but we know that ment- the vast majority of people with mental illness don't commit crimes like this. So even if it comes out that he did have mental illness, it, it's still not enough of an explanation. And there's, as I've talked to people about this. There's this temptation to think, well, there must be something wrong with his brain, right? Because how could someone possibly do that? And as I've talked about in other episodes, because I, you know, occasionally talk about these sorts of things, it's comforting to imagine or to prop up a so-called story that he had something wrong with his brain. Because if something's wrong with his brain, then that means that we're safe because as long as we can identify the illness or the structural problem with his brain or his body, then we can identify the other. We can say the other, the, uh, the abomination is someone with a weird brain and the rest of us who have normal brains are not going to do this and therefore I'm safe. But we don't know, even if we did find something about the brain, we don't know enough about the brain to know anything about that. We just, we just don't know. And it doesn't seem to be politicized. It doesn't seem to be Trump. 
you know, people are saying, oh my God, this is the new Trump's America. And I'm here to tell you that mass shootings like this have been happening in, in Republican administrations during Democrat administrations. During Obama's time, there were several mass shootings. And to you people on the left, you wouldn't appreciate it if people blamed Obama for a mass shooting, right? Well, it's the same for Trump. We can blame Trump for a lot of things. (laughs) Believe me, we can talk about the rise in um, at least vocal white supremacy. You could absolutely at least attribute it somewhat to, to Donald Trump and his at least silence on the, on the issue. So you can blame Trump for things, but I don't think this is, I don't think we can lay this on Trump. (laughs) Um, you know, is it, is it guns? Um, yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll get into more of that in a second. Um, of course it's guns. (laughs) If, if, well, I'll get into more of that in a second. But in the end, as the news starts to come out, I'm going to take a guess and say that we'll never know why he did it, just like all the other mass shootings. The Columbine shootings, we know a lot about those kids, and there are conceptualizations that we can write up that provide some explanation as to why those kids did those things. But, you know, there's a lot of kids like that. There's a lot of kids who are bullied. There's a lot of kids who feel isolated. There's a, there's a lot of kids who have suicidal thoughts. There's a lot of kids who play violent video games. There's a lot of kids. So what's the difference between this guy and, and all the other people? It, we're just never going to know. And that is scary, as I always say. It's scary to think that you don't know who is going to do this sort of thing. The fact is, is if someone decides they're going to do something like this, there's, there's not a lot any of us can do about it. And I've seen a lot of theories. I've seen a lot of theories come out that it might be a brain tumor or he had a gambling problem that led him down a downward spiral or that I even read someone hypothesizing that it, there's, a, there's a nuclear t- testing range that's nearby and maybe that affected his brain. People are thinking maybe it's radicalization of political points of view that he became radicalized. Maybe it's dementia because he was getting up in age. People are blaming social media. Uh, I saw someone saying that it, it, they thought for sure that it was syphilis, you know, syphilitic insanity. Someone hypothesized that it was, it was magic mushrooms plus cocaine, Another person thought that it was due to psychiatric drugs because, of course, you know, that would cause someone to do this. Another person thought that maybe Vegas had got to him, that all the gambling and all the staying up late at night and, and all the sin that happens in Las Vegas is, is what eventually got to him. But I, I'm here to tell you that humans are very weird people and we are very unpredictable. There are some things you can predict, but there are other things that it's really hard to predict, particularly when you talk about individuals. And uh, I'm going to, even if we get data, which I'm guessing we will eventually, that will shed some light on why he did this stuff. I mean, unless he had a manifesto and said 
something. Well, even if he has a manifesto that comes out, like I decided I wanted to do this because of blah, 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 blah. Even if we had that, there are so many people who have thoughts of wanting to get back at the world and they never do. In fact, the vast majority of people who have those thoughts never take action on that. So what makes the difference between this guy? It will just never know. And that is scary because if we don't know who's going to do that, because the thing is that right now there are a bunch of people, mostly men, but some women who are fantasizing about doing something like this. And they saw this in the news and they're even more inspired by that. And maybe they had plans to do something else and they're like, ooh, maybe I'll figure out something like that because look at all, look at the death toll, look at the media coverage. And, and those people are going to try it. There are people right now who are going to do stuff. And that is freaking scary. As I say that out loud, my hands begin to sweat. It is scary to think that there are people among us, fellow human beings, fellow Americans, who are in the future going to attempt mass murder of, of innocent, random people people that they don't have a conflict with, just random people. And that is freaking scary. And when we don't have an explanation for why people did it in the past, then we surely have no way of identifying the people in the future that are going to do it. And that's just the way that it is. That is freaking scary. And so how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that fear? It's traumatizing. How do we deal with this? Well, I'll tell you what I did. And I'm not recommending anybody else do this. And inevitably, someone will write me and tell me how stupid I am for what I'm about to say. But uh, I'm here to tell you that I'm not telling you you should think this way. Because as I said at the beginning of this episode, I don't know what to do in a situation like this. I have no monopoly on wisdom on high. I'm just like you. I'm in the middle of it. I'm just as scared. I'm just as affected. I'm just as demoralized. So I'm just telling you what I do. I'm telling you how I think. And if you don't agree with that thinking, which you probably won't because you're not me, then great. Feel free to, you know, tell me your thoughts, but to attack my thoughts just because these are my thoughts is uh, missing the point. Let's just put it that way. So, so here's, here's what I do. Well, the the first thing I do is I go to my notes because since I've done so many episodes on this sort of thing over the last nine years of this podcast, I have, I have pages of notes about, um, what to say when people on radio shows call me and ask me to talk about it. I have statistics and perspectives and, and advice. And so I went to my notes and then I, I, I start to try to gain perspective because I think that's the main thing for me in terms of dealing with it. Because when, when I'm watching the news, it feels like it feels like I have to walk 
quickly to my car or something like someone's going to kill me as I walk to my car or uh, it feels, it feels like that. That's how it feels to me. It feels like there's a shooter around every quarter around every corner or whenever I'm in public, it feels like I'm in the crosshairs of a sniper rifle. That's what it feels like when I watch this sort of news coverage. And so what I do to cope with that is to try to put all this in perspective. What, what does this mean to me? Cause I'm afraid. What does it mean to my safety? That that's what I, I think about uh, selfishly is, am I unsafe? Is the world falling apart? Is our country doomed? And when I go to my notes, I find statistics and I find perspective and I find, and I'm, and I'm reminded of other things and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Blah, blah, blah. And so what I tell myself is that the world is not falling apart. It, it feels like the world is falling apart, but in actuality, the world is not falling apart. For, for example, you may know this, but this is what I tell myself is that gun violence and the rates of murder in our country is actually lower than it was when I was a kid. When I was a kid in the 70s and the 80s, I was never afraid of, uh, I was afraid of, of the USSR dropping nukes on us, but I wasn't afraid of being murdered. But I was much more likely to be murdered in the 70s and the 80s than I am now. The rates have, have dropped significantly since the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, incidentally. So gun violence and murder rates and murder by gun is, is low, is, is, has, you know, it's higher than, it's, than other countries, by the way, which you know, we should talk about, but, but it's lower. And, uh, but of the murders that are happening right now, even though there's f- far fewer murders happening right now, there's a higher rate of newsworthy murders, and there's much more news about it. There's much, whenever these um, sort of big mass murders happen, they instantly hit 10 different news outlets and Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds, and, and we instantly know about it and have access to firsthand video of it. And, and so it makes it seem like our country is falling apart when in fact it's the opposite. Our, our country is actually getting safer and better. Now, mass murders are on the rise, and the prevailing consensus about why that is is because we, because of our news coverage about it. We uh, report so heavily on these events, and to some extent almost glorify some of these killers, because we investigate their lives, and we talk about their names, and we plaster their faces and we speculate about their about their histories and and they become like celebrities and the more we do that 
the in the 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 more mass shootings we see and the more spectacular mass shootings we see but in spite of those of that increase in mass shootings murder is still on uh, is still low relative to other other times and is not on the increase it seems anyway now maybe in 10 years we'll 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 say well actually 2017 was the beginning of another increase or something. I don't know. Uh, but for now, uh, statistically, we're much safer than we were before. So that's what, that's what I tell myself. Now, you might out there might be like, well, that doesn't help me. You know, that, that doesn't help me when you say that, Kirk. And, I, and, I, and I, I sympathize with that. You know, you are free to... Uh, think about this however you want to think about it. I I had a client today who said that they were going to move to Canada because of this. They were already thinking about moving to Canada, and now they know for sure they're moving to Canada. And I don't have anything to say about that. It, if if that's how you, if that's what you want to do, then that's great because I I don't have any uh, wisdom about that. I don't have any advice about that. But that's what. But this is what I say to myself. I I, I say. The world isn't falling apart. America isn't falling apart. There have always been murders. There have always been mass murders. There has always been politicized murders. We, we all know terrorism, and, and this isn't technically terrorism from what we can tell, but there's always been terrorism. One thing that I've been learning more about as I read more history is the amount of terrorism and and murders that were happening in the 70s there was a, just a, a i think one statistic was was it like 100 or maybe 1000 bombings that happened in one year in the 19 in the, like 1972 or 1973 or something there were all these americans who were radicalized and and were uh sending bombs to innocent people's homes people that they thought were a part of the establishment, you know, and I, I don't remember when I was in the seventies, I had no idea about that because I didn't read the newspaper, I guess when I was seven years old. So, uh, so anyway, the point is, is that America has seen potentially worse times and even potentially worse political times. It seems like our political times right now are terrible, but it's hard to measure that kind of thing. And th- and when you read history, you realize that there have been there have been many times the 30s and the 20s were also pretty bad politically and there were lots of political motivated murders and bombings in during that time. So so I I don't take comfort in knowing that there's terribleness in our country. But I, I do take this weird comfort from knowing that this sort of thing has been happening f- f- since the beginning of our country. And, and in some ways, it's less than it, than it was before. That, that's just how I think. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that helps you. And frankly, I, I don't even necessarily care. But I'm just telling you that that's what helps me. Uh, another thing that helps me and this might sound weird, but it's sort of a glass half full perspective, which is that I don't remember the exact statistic, but something like a third of American households 
have at least one firearm in them, you know, which, which probably means like, I don't know, a half or a third of Americans have access to a gun or something. So, so that's, what do we have? Like 350 million people, something like that in America. So, so we're talking about either 1 million, 100 million or 200 million people who have access to a gun. And, and then, so, so, so there's just, a, there's millions of Americans who have access to a gun right now. And now think about all the angry Americans out there. <laughs> I mean, think about how many people are angry. Think about how many people are radicalized, for lack of a better word, regarding politics right now. Think of everyone who rants on Facebook and who rants on the news and who rants online. And think about all those angry people. Well, it's a good chance that those ranting angry people, it's a good chance that at least half of them or a third of them have a gun. Okay, now, so so the Venn diagram of the people with guns with the angry, super angry people... Think about how many people are in, who overlap in that Venn diagram. Let's say at the at the at the least we we've got to be figuring like a million Americans are out there super angry, super politicized, and they have a gun, or even say a hundred thousand, or even ten thousand. I don't care, but we're talking a lot of people in America right now are super angry super politicized, not very sophisticated in their thinking. They've, they've drank in a whole bunch of propaganda, either on the left or on the right or wherever else they're coming from. And they've got a gun. Okay, so lots of people. Well, how many of those people commit a crime? How many of those people actually go and shoot someone? How many of those people think about shooting someone and how many of those people actually do shoot somebody? Very, very few of them actually do. And that gives me hope. Now, I don't know if that helps you. And like I said, I don't know if I care if it helps you. But I'm just telling you, that helps me. When I think about, I I picture just stadiums full, you know, a million people. That's how many football stadiums is that? Like 20, 20 football stadiums filled to the brink with angry gun toting people, uh, adults who, and, and like a percentage of them, are, you know, think about going on a rampage. How many of them actually go on a rampage? So few of them. And I'm only talking about the politicized gun toter. I'm not talking about like people who are suicidal and want to take people down with them or, you know, there's, 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 the point is, is of all the people who have the potential to go on a mass shooting, so few of them actually do. And that is, that gives me hope for the human race. I, and that's a very glass half full way of looking at it right now. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do anything about this about this guy, and I'm not saying we should walk around with blinders on or something, but I'm just telling you what I do so I can sleep at night. That's all I'm saying. The other thing I do, which again, I'm not recommending, I'm just telling you what I do, is I think about 
the fact that we're all going to die. One day, all of us are going to be dead. And that's sad. And that's scary for many people. But the more that I accept that I am going to die and that other people are going to die, the less scared I am about things like this. You know, I looked it up and something like 10,000, I couldn't lock it down, but something like 10,000 people in the United States die from gun homicides, which is actually extremely high rate, you know, per capita when you compare yourself to other societies. But, but 10,000 people a year die from gun homicides. And of that 10,000 people a year who die from gun homicides, only about 50 of those people, and of course, with this mass shooting, I'm sure that that will be higher for this year, but usually about 50 people die from mass shootings each year. So, so, so out of 10,000 people who die from guns, about only about 50 people, this year probably more like 100, will die from mass shootings each year. So let's say on the high end for 2017, we're going to see 100, maybe 200 people dying from mass shootings this year. Well, compare that to the people who die from the flu each year. 36,000 people every year die from the flu. From the flu, 36,000 people die every year from the flu. And, and I've, I, I just got my flu shot a couple of days ago, which I recommend to everybody. But I think, I think every other year I get the flu. And I am not afraid of the flu, but apparently I should be. <laughs> um, about 250 thousand, about a quarter of a million people die from medical accidents every year. So again, compare that to 50 or 100 people dying from mass shootings. 250,000 people die from medical accidents every year. Now, there's, it really depends on what you mean by medical accident, but, and maybe, and that number might actually be low, by the way, because the reporting of medical accidents is, is kind of weird. You can listen to an episode of Freakonomics about that, but and 1.3 million people die each year in car crashes. 1.3 million people die on the road every year. 1.3 million. 1.3 million people die. Now compare that to 50, 100 people dying from mass shootings. Every, I mean, 1.3 million people, that, that must be like, how many thousands of people a day die on the road in America? Every, it'd be like every few seconds. I don't, I don't know. It, 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 people dying on in car crashes, boom, dead person, dead person, dead person, dead person. Every day, holidays, midnight times, <laughs> morning times, like every day. And again, compare that to 50 or 100 people dying from mass shootings. Now, I don't know. I didn't see any car accident deaths reported in the news. I have, I'm sure some are reported in the news, but I didn't see any. Now, how many mass shootings do you hear about? You hear about all of them. You, you hear about probably every single mass shooting that happens in America, uh, or at least the ones that 
uh, kill at least you know, five people or something or happen on an interesting place like a Navy base or something. And so, so it, it, when I hear about this mass shooting, I go to my notes, I go to my statistics, I read this stuff and, and I realize, Oh, it, however afraid I was yesterday, I'm, I should be the same afraid I am today. I, however afraid I was of getting in a car crash yesterday, I should be the same, I should have the same level of fear today, which actually we should all be very afraid of getting in our cars because that's a very dangerous, being on the road is a very dangerous place. People who have been in accidents know this. People who have lost people uh, to accidents know this. The road is a very dangerous place, apparently, because 1.3 million people in the United States, 1.3 million. Imagine, imagine if we all just woke up every day and read the list of people who died that the previous day in cars. 1.3 million Americans die in car accidents. That is just astounding. And people are worried about self-driving cars. Self-driving cars are going to reduce that number so it's going to be so low that uh, bring it on, please. You know, uh, so when I, this is just me, when I read the statistics, it actually makes me feel better because I'm like, oh, I don't need to worry about mass shootings. The chance of me or someone I love being harmed in a mass shooting is so small. The chance is there, but it's extremely low. The chance that someone I love or me dying in a car crash is pretty good. And so if I'm if so if I want to if I want to create safety in my world and if I want to stay safe myself and I, if I want to keep loved ones safe, which which I want to do, one of the best things I can do is like make sure everyone drives really safe. <laughs> you know, make sure I drive safe. Make sure I, I drive defensively on the road. Make sure I, you know, keep my head on a swivel when I'm driving. Make sure I tell everyone else to keep their head on a swivel. And do what I can in that way. And, 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 that, and in that way, I can actually affect change. Trying to avoid a mass shooting is not, that's, it, you know, that's like trying, trying to win the lottery or something in reverse because, the chance of being killed in a mass shooting is, is so low. So again, just try to imagine a hundred, a hundred people and then imagine 1.3 million people. So we got a hundred people times that by 10, you got a thousand people times that by 10. Again, you got 10,000 people times that by 10. Again, you got a hundred thousand people times that by 10 again, and you have a million people. Well, that's the amount, that's the difference between people who die from mass shootings and people who die in road crashes. So I don't know, for me, that makes me feel safer in a weird way. And, and, and conversely, somewhat terrified of the road, which is probably worth my fear. It's rational to worry about car crashes. It's rational for me to worry about car crashes and irrational for me to worry about mass shootings. That's that's what I take away from it. Okay, that's just me. I don't know if that helps you, but, you know, feel free to email me what helps you. Um, so, as in my notes, I 
write about because I'm always, you know, when people on the radio call me, I, I have to uh, provide solutions. They're wanting solutions from a professional. And so here's just a list of possible solutions to preventing things like this happening. As I said before, we need to stop paying attention to the, to the shooters. We, we need, I know we're all extremely curious about this man and his life and every, you know, every little detail about who he is and what he did that day and what his childhood was like and all that stuff. We, that actually is a very good culprit for why mass shootings are on the rise because because of the way our news cycle is and because of the way our news is, we end up really, we end up making people famous. You know, there are people out there right now who want to get famous and they're desperate and maybe suicidal. And they're like, well, you know, maybe I'll go out with a bang and everyone will know who I am. I'll be a celebrity. And, some of some people are obviously trying to gain celebrity, like the people who will actually live tweet their their shootings. I mean, they're it's so clear that they're trying to gain fame by killing innocent people. So we need to stop paying attention to the to the shooters. In fact, I wish there was a understanding in our society about this and an understanding with the media that whenever there's a shooting like this, we don't talk about the shooter at all. If he or she has a manifesto, we do not read it. Uh, Investigators read it. The police will read it for sure. But the public does not. And the news doesn't. And no one, even though we're interested, we refrain from publicizing that because, uh, because it, encourages people to do this again. Now, that's asking a lot of the media and it's asking a lot of society. I'm guessing it's never going to happen, but but I'm telling you that is the solution. Aside from getting rid of all guns, which is not going to happen, folks. You know, whenever we go to gun control uh for the the first, I don't know, uh, 50 to 100 times that these shootings happened and there was a, a very strong call for gun control. I had hope, but after a while, I said, ah, our country, there's just too many people who vote differently. And there's too, there's frankly too much money in gun ownership and gun sales and gun manufacturing and, and gun culture, gun magazines, gun, uh, everything ammunition for uh, apparently for Americans to get rid of guns. So if, so if we're not going to get rid of our guns, we have to stop paying attention to the shooters. If we want to report on the story, we should talk about the victims. Um, We should glorify the victims lives and we should just ignore the shooter it's it's actually something you do to children sometimes when they're acting out and you can't get them to stop. You just ignore them because when you give them attention, they continue to do it. So when you give mass shooters attention, they keep doing it. And the more attention we give it, and especially to them, the worse this is going to get. 
as our media reports on these events in more in more depth we are seeing an increase in these things happening it's it's pretty clear and it's a consensus among ex- experts having said that we should consider getting rid, rid of the sort of weapons that are designed to kill mass amounts of people look i grew up in rural Seattle. I grew up in what's now called Sammamish, which is a suburb of Seattle. And the, where I lived, there was, there wasn't a single street light. There, there was only one store there were people and it was a feed store for, for horses and pigs and stuff. And, and people literally rode their horse to the store. Sometimes people drove their cars to the store too, but there was a hitching post for horses and people would ride their horse to the store and buy a candy bar. That's where I grew up. I grew up with our neighbors had, had horses and cows. Now in the time from I'm, when I, when I moved to that neighborhood in 1973 until I moved out when I graduated high school in 1989, a lot had changed and there, you know, it became much more, it became much less rural over time in my, you know, during the seventies and eighties. But when I was young, it was, it was very rural and there were a lot of hunters and, and people who liked to hunt things and, and shoot deer and pheasant and, and whatever else duck you, you know, and I have, I have good friends who are hunters. So I get the enjoyment and the, I don't know, the American way of having a hunting rifle. Okay, fine. A hunting rifle, a shotgun, uh, not, not my most favorite thing that a bunch of Americans have, but fine. But these, these weapons that are designed to rattle off thousands of rounds, what is that for? I mean, I, we, should, we should at least consider it. <laughs> Now, I say that and I just know it's not going to happen. I have complete I've just completely given up hope on that. Now, I'll participate in whatever kind of ac- activism as if I have hope, but I don't have hope. I-, I gave up hope so long ago. That's just me. We also need to band together as Americans instead of attacking each other after this sort of thing. As far as I can tell, and we'll never know probably. But this guy was, there was, he did an evil thing. He did, he did an evil, evil thing. He's an evil, malicious, hostile, horrible murderer of innocent people. He is evil. If there ever was some, you know, was he evil prior to doing this? I'm guessing not, but he did a terrible, terrible, evil act. And that has nothing to do with Republicans and Democrats. This has nothing to do with Trump. It has nothing to do with Obama. It has nothing to do with Hillary. It, it just has to do with this one person who did this terrible thing. And all of us can agree that this person did a terrible thing. And we can all come together on this. There's, there's no reason. And it's, it's almost like anything that's in the news, people just... This, they, they decide, okay, is this a Republican thing or is this a Democrat thing? Because i got to figure out how, how I want to attack people on this. And 
I just, I don't get that. Even if this guy comes out as like a, a staunch left wing person or a staunch right wing person, it doesn't matter. I mean, at this point, everyone's a staunch left wing or a staunch right wing in our country, it seems. And so he's, he's one of those things in all likelihood. In all likelihood, he's, he's, he's probably Republican, I'm guessing, uh, based on his background. I don't know. That has nothing to do with, with, with what he did. What he did was terrible. And, and no Republican or no Democrat is going to go along with that, you know? So please, let's all come together on this. We, can we please come together on at least some things and s- together as Americans, regardless of political leanings, just say this was terrible and we all, you know, have compassion for the victims, and we're going to all give blood and we're going to all pay attention to the victims and we're all going to all ignore the shooter and we're going to all condemn this. And we're, we're not going to make fun of Trump and we're not going to, uh, I don't know, fight on Facebook about gun control. Let's, let's all be together on this. Also, we need to remember that it has nothing to do with mental illness as I've talked about in other episodes, mental illness is somewhat associated with an increased risk of violence, but a somewhat increase in risk of violence is still very small. The, the, the chance of someone with the, the chance of anyone committing an act like this is, is almost zero. And the chance of someone with mental illness committing something like this is like slightly slightly less close to zero, if that makes any sense. So because the vast majority of people who have psychosis or major depression or something, the vast majority of people who have those conditions never even think about hurting anybody. So, so it doesn't have to, it doesn't necessarily have to do with mental illness. Now, like I said, it might come out that he had a brain tumor or he had he started taking some weird medication at the end, but even then it, it, they'll just be hypotheses. We'll never, well, I'm guessing we'll never really know, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe some news report will come out that'll really lock this down. Having said that we do need to increase our funding for mental health and social health services. We need to, we need to keep people connected. I don't know if this guy would have benefited from that, but there are other mass shooters who, in my opinion, definitely would have benefited from, us having more professionals connected to those, to that, to those people, not necessarily to treat them, although maybe to treat them, but, but more so just to stay connected, just to keep that human being not isolated. Just, just one conversation a week with another human being can sometimes really help people, you know, we also need to reduce stigma regarding mental issues and uh, regarding suffering it's unknown about this shooter, but maybe if there was less stigma about asking for help, maybe he would have asked for help prior to doing this. I don't know. We also need to reduce negative characteristics of stereotypical masculinity and, and increase positive characteristics. I don't really want to go into masculinity at this point, but it's interesting that men are the ones who are frequently, there's a much higher rate of men, doing this. Now, one of the things that should be pointed out is women actually commit mass murders. 
and it, there's it's just less often and and they're less reported on I'm guessing but but women do commit them um but the vast majority of these mass murders are from men and 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 so we just have to wonder how we are socializing boys and men and how that might contribute a small factor to this sort of thing. Cause like I said, that there's no one factor we're going to point to and be like, that's why people do this, but we need to attack it from all angles. Right. And, and I'm guessing that changing our, our society regarding masculinity. Now, some people, when they hear me say that, they think that I want to erase masculinity and, and I, I don't, I don't know what I exactly mean by it, but all I know is that in our society, we attribute uh, people who have penises, we, we, we attribute certain uh, characteristics to them that uh, some of those characteristics, I think, have usefulness and some of them don't. And some of them are actually harmful. For example, we, we, we have infants who have penises and, and I say that I say infants with penises because that's the people we call men. Right. And so the people with penises, we say those people don't have feelings. They are tough. They need to be strong. They need to not cry. They need to not act feminine. And, you know, all these kinds of things that can be extremely detrimental to people's mental health and to their well-being. But there are there are good things about masculinity too that we socialize young boys about. We will say you need to tell the truth. You need to be honorable. You need to be chivalrous. Those are often positive things. They can turn around and be negative things. They could be chauvinistic and misogynistic as well. But there there's a to me as a man and socialized to be chivalrous i th- i find that to be actually uh, one of the higher characteristics of humans that's associated with masculinity anyway we um we need to come together as a community and support each other in times like these we need each other we need to support each other we need to band together because that's what community, that's one of the main benefits of having a community. That's one of the main benefits of having a, of having social media is that we can come together as one against this. Because of course, why wouldn't we come together as one against this? Why would we fight amongst ourselves? There's no, to me, the analogy is, in your, you know, you, you live in a family and someone breaks into your house and shoots your older brother and kills him. And then because your family has all these problems, you instantly start fighting with each other about it. Someone says, well, you left the door open. No, you left the door open. Well, if you had told your brother to, to be more careful about uh, he, noises that he hears in the middle of the night, maybe he wouldn't have died. You know, it's like, why would a family fight with each other when someone just busted in the house and killed someone in their family? Someone has busted into our house and killed one of, and killed 50 something of us. I think the last report is 58, 59 people. 
some random person broke into our house and killed 59 of us and sh- and injured hundreds of people. Why are we fighting with each other? It's a terrible thing. We're, we're, we all agree it's terrible. Republicans, Democrats, we all agree it's terrible, and it is terrible, and it is sad. And so let's not let's not fight. Aside from the gun control thing, I don't see any reason why we should be fighting. The gun control thing, we're, we're going to fight about. <laughs> it's going to happen. And I'm going to make a prediction and say nothing will happen. In fact, what often ends up happening is the political system does nothing except they, and then there's this backlash. What happens is everyone goes out and buys all these guns because they're worried that there's going to be gun control, but of course there never is gun control. And the gun manufacturers make just billions of money and then they spend 1% of that on lobbyists and boom, even less restrictive laws on guns. So it's this weird systemic thing where, where it, it just is inevitable that after this, the gun laws will actually get looser because there's no money in less guns, but there is money in more guns. And because we live in a capitalistic society, the capitalistic uh, side of the judicial scale will win because there is money in guns. The political system will always lean towards that because we live in a capitalistic society and we have a dominant political party who, who is very sympathetic to capitalism. And so, so until that system changes of special interests and lobbying and campaign funds and all that kind of stuff until that changes, which I don't see that changing anytime either. The gun thing is only going to get worse in my estimation because that's what's I think been happening. I'm not an expert on that, but anyway. So in conclusion, this is what I'm going to do. This is all just me. This is all just me thinking you can disagree with me and that's fine. I'm not recommending you think this way. I'm just saying this is this is how I think. But here's what I do. I plan on connecting with other people. I also plan on allowing myself to have my feelings. I, I'm not going to suppress my feelings. I have my feelings. This is horrific. It's traumatizing. It's scary. I'm also going to monitor my distress about this. And when needed, I'm going to, I'm going to take measures to reduce my stress, mainly by not looking at the news, by taking a break. And throughout all this, I'm going to try to keep perspective because if I lose perspective, it feels way worse than when I remind myself about mainly statistics. It just helps me. I don't know if statistics help you, but they help me. But mostly connecting with people and, and talking about our, our feelings, which is, I guess, what I'm doing on this podcast. Basically, this entire episode is me just getting some therapy. So thank you very much, people. All right, well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Please, by all means, take care of yourself and take care of other people because we all deserve it. Thank you.